Welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. <clears throat> it's been a handful of years, but always a pleasure to connect with people who, musicians especially, who are lucid and who have the ability to articulate things musically, uh, both in musical relationships and also the creation of music, and do it in a way where the layperson can actually it can resonate with them and uh, have a way to carry on uh, long after we've left this planet. Talking to a legendary songwriter, a guy who's had many hits and still doing it today, from sunny South Florida, Henry Gross, welcome back to the Jake Feinberg Show. Wow, I thought you had the wrong number there. No, 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 no. <laughs> You're most kind, Jake. That's fantastic. Thank you. Well, it's an honor. to It's, it's an honor. You know, I wanted to just start by reading this quote <clears throat> from my fifth book, and then you can riff on it any way you want. Okay. <clears throat> this is from Herb Albert. He said, We have the Thelonious Monk Institute at UCLA. I do a master class there. About a year and a half ago, I did one, and these guys started playing the song, and each one took a chorus and started playing jazz, and I was listening to it. I know I have a reputation as a quote-unquote pop jazz musician, but I was listening, and I said, Do me a favor. When you play your jazz solo, don't try to impress me with anything. Don't try to impress the other musicians. Don't play a note unless it's coming out organically. The transformation of what they played then was startling compared with the razzle-dazzle they were doing before. All of a sudden it came down to just the feeling of the notes and the feeling of why these notes were coming out. There are only 12 notes in the Western lexicon of music. We have all those 12 notes. Mozart had those 12 notes. Beethoven had those 12 notes. Thelonious had those 12 notes. Look at all the stuff that's happened in between those 12 notes to say nothing about all the rhythms that you could use. It's striking that you keep being creative on those 12 notes. And, you know, not that, uh, you know, Henry Gross won't be mistaken for John McLaughlin or Demiola or any of these cats, but I do want you to talk about the evolution in your playing as it related to just allowing things to come out organically uh, and and more more about what notes made sense at that right time and whether that was something that you sort of had to cultivate in your career. Before I give you a serious answer, let me point out that the wonderful Herb Alpert, whose label I had the pleasure of being on, Herb Alpert and Jerry Moss's A&M Records, um, you know, the, the greatest note he ever played was the cover of Whipped Cream and Other Delights. Ever, ever. <laughs> Ever, dude, we the, that record I mean, is just it's just percolating in every used bookstore and record store everywhere. Well, the picture of the girl on the cover uh, was was worth more than every note everyone ever played. So, <laughs> there you go. I mean, I want to tell you, no, I did. Albums you bought for the cover. I mean, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Good too. It's all you can say about that album. I mean, he upstaged himself. But but I digress. No, I mean, what you're talking about is what the basic knowledge that people would get in a school like Berkeley or other places like that, Berkeley School of Music, which is that it's not it's it's often what you don't play as opposed to what you do play, and that, you know, there's certain um, comedy rules of jazz. For instance, if you make a mistake, most commonly known as a clam in playing circles, then you play it again and it's jazz. That's right. You know? That's right. So, you know, we all know the rules and everyone's heard that discussion and it's true because the what I refer to as, and, and this is, you know, there are people that do it really well. I mean, before I say this, I want to 
exempt Eddie Van Halen and Nuno Betancourt and sure. people on that level that have made an art form of what is more commonly dis, you know, described as diarrhea of the fretboard. <laughs> so, you know, I, I've never, my own personal experience, I've never, you know, been with a woman that wanted to make love to fly to the bumblebee. It's become more of a, of a gymnastic exercise. You know, it's like everybody, like everybody thinks they can play the blues. And in fact, nobody can play the blues. I mean, so people talk about Eric Clapton's the greatest blues guitar player. Eric Clapton is a brilliant musician and a great guitar player, but he is no closer to Howlin' Wolf than, than Bud Abbott. And he would admit that, too, and he would definitely admit that. So people don't really know. I mean, when you hear Smokestack Lightning or you hear Lonnie Johnson and you hear these kind of, you know, or Blind Blake, you know, these people had something that was fresh to them I mean, I have, a, I have a blues song on my new album called a Fool, I'm a Fool, you know, I Was a Fool to Leave You. And it's really a great track, and it's terrific. But it's not blues. It's kind of pop R&B, you know, and it, it, on a blues progression. Because I'm, you know, I'm who I am. You know, I grew up, I mean, you have blues coming from Brooklyn? Yeah, I had blues and bruises to prove it. <laughs> but, but that's, you know, but, but the original blues is something very different. You know, it's the kind of blues that would that pushed Louis Armstrong to play the way he did growing up in New Orleans where that city was at in the 20s, mm -hmm. you know. And, I mean, you know, just the whole thing, you know, everybody's had to pledge America like a fraternity. Nobody got in unscathed. And, and nobody that got in was ever, was ever pronounced in. Everyone continues to pledge. And that was until recently the beauty of it now you know now that everyone's a victim it's hard for anyone to decry that they have the blues that's right <laughs> you know if everyone's a victim then in a sense nobody is so i you know i applaud the people that that have you know persevered in the blues idiom the willie dixons muddy waters people that were so iconic bb king these albert king all these all the all the kings you know and they were they they were iconic but they were living the life they weren't watching mrs meisel on netflix in between <laughs> gigs you know in between gigs they were eat, they, they were you know sharing a plate of ribs in some joint in mississippi you're not going to get that it's like you, you know, you're going to get God bless him, and he's terrific. You're going to get Hank Jr. in the country business, right? But his his dad was the guy with the yellow between his fingers. Wow! You know, and so that's what you, you want the you want the blues. You get Hank Williams. Well, let me ask you, you though. I mean, I want you to personalize the idea, like because the the thing that really I loved about, I mean, for what it's worth, again, I, I just don't feel that you can really teach the language of jazz or blues in the academy. But that being said, he's talking about this institute, and he said to the guy, stop trying to impress the other musicians. Well, because, yeah. because you got me on something I don't want to forget to say. Go ahead. Okay, there's a great belief that that playing jazz requires a knowledge, either, either a, a mathematical genius level, like Stevie Wonder would have, because right. the man is blind and he can play all those, he can play anything. Because he hears the notes and he sees them and he understands the relationship of the notes on the fretboard. He's not locked into a position 
a guitar position where he knows how to play a lick. Right. Like, like for instance, I am. <laughs> you know, but I can make music with that. And sometimes it forces me to be more melodic because my lack of ability to go out and play an Arabic scale in the middle of it. I work with a guy called John McLean who has that instant ability to play any genre of music and, and play it remarkably perfect in one pass. But sometimes the solo you want is wow, 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 you know, and, you know, and that's, that's the one that will, you know, that, you know, how about the solo to the Barquet's soul finger? Absolutely. No educated musician would play that. And here's what I was getting to. So, so people do acknowledge, okay, to play jazz, most every form of human life would need some sort of musical education. Because it's like playing Bach. You're not going to play it. You're not going to jam Bach <laughs> unless you're Philip Auberg. You know, and, and at that level of playing, if you're familiar with Philip Auberg, he played on Shannon, he played on Fooled Around and Fell in Love. He, you know, oh. he, he was, he's a classically trained genius. I mean, he, he's, he's the key Garth Brooks that can play Bach and Brahms and, you know, and Chopin. He's incredible. But he played with Maria Muldaur on the road. He played with Elvin Bishop, of course, in the high days. But Phil is a whole other level, okay? And he's musically adept at anything. And he sits there like Grizzly Adams on a nine-foot Steinway, you know, in the back of the mm. harmonic hall till they threw us both out. But people hear the blues and they think, well, you don't really have to know any music to play the blues. Well, I submit, listen to Blind Blake. Listen to, uh, you know, any of the great blues, the original, listen to Robert Johnson and the things he's playing. There's a knowledge, there's an innate, either either 2020 or blind man's knowledge of what notes are possible so that he's picking from an array of all the notes and picking the right ones, as opposed to being forced to pick from the handful of notes you know will work in that key. And if, you can, if you're sticking with me on this, you'll get it. I mean, these, these people, they think it's simple. Listen to Blind Blake those riffs you'll be sitting there trying to practice them for 10 years and you'll still never get them with the feel that's on the record so you know i study that stuff i listen to snook Eaglin and i listen to all these guys that have made a career of playing music and one of the only guys that ever really grabbed the feel of it was elvis presley and that because he grew up no different than any other black guy in the south absolutely in the Lauderdale Courts apartments with well over well over a $5 bill for the whole family. So he grew up in that. But that doesn't exist anymore for anybody, including black people, because they're, they're brought up poor, and, and white people are brought up poor, and every kind of person, Latinos are brought up poor, and, but there's government safety nets now, and there's this check and that check. It's not the same as people living like sharecroppers. Right. And, Trying to recreate recreate that is an embarrassing pursuit, and it's it's almost insulting. I mean, that I, I'm not much for for believing in cultural appropriation because people can put it in any direction they want. You can say, "Well, he stole the blues that my uh, my great grandfather did." Well, you're wearing pants, you know. I mean, you can't. So you know, you you can take that idiot idiotic argument and, and you know put it where you know. So I don't buy into that all that stuff. But I will say that experience is the mother of art. You know, if you, it's, you know, somebody was, a, a friend, a friend's son was calling me today from Europe and he was talking to me about 
what he could what he what he could do to be a better writer. And I said, well, you know, you should read. You know, I said, if you want to be a better writer, you should be a well-rounded writer. So read The Real Anthony Fauci by Robert Kennedy Jr., essential reading before you open your mouth about about the jabs. Right, right. You must read that book. And if you don't want to suffer the 600 pages and read at least half of the uh, of the footnotes that will take you to CDC documents, then please don't bring it up anymore. Just don't talk about it because you can't. I don't want to be educated by people with who are marching to to the the rhythm of of, of the line the, the, of the regime's philosophy. That's North Korea. I don't want to live like that. The second book I said to read was Nicholas Nickleby, but you know Charles Dickens. Then read Hamlet by Shakespeare, so no one thinks you're a moron. <laughs> and then read Rodney Dangerfield's autobiography, and you'll find out that true comedy that touches the heart and soul of people like Jack Benny comes not from your imagination, but from your experience and the beating you took, the emotional beating you took. So stop feeling sorry for yourself. Man up. and Don't worry about all the gifts you were given that weren't enough. And start relating to the, to the fact that you're alive, the sun's shining, and your life is better than most of the world that's suffering at this moment. I, lo- I love where you're coming from on this, Henry Gross. Um, <clears throat> it's, about, it's about a way of life, though. So if you're feeling pity or sorry for yourself, it's not going to it's not going to come across as blues. It's going to come come across as what we say is wanking it. I mean, and the other th- yeah. the, and, and great thing about it is nobody cares. <laughs> I have to, I had a friend, bless his heart, Ralph Murphy, who wrote Murphy's book of songwriting. That's <laughs> the greatest song. Every songwriter that wants to write should get a copy of Murphy's Laws of Songwriting. You can probably get it at Ralph Murphy. We look up Ralph Murphy. You'll sure. Find the music vice president of ASCAP he is. And every time I would come in and, and he would say, Henry, how are you doing? I'd meet him for lunch and I'd sit down at the, at the, you know, the counter with him in, in some restaurant in Nashville. And he'd say, how are you doing? And I'd actually tell him and he'd go, shut up, Henry. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a tradition, you know, shut up, Henry. Nobody cares. And, you know, he's right. He was right. God bless him. He's, he's passed on, but he, his memory is with me 24 seven. I mean, he was a great man. Great songwriter, great, you know, great um, um, uh, mentor. Well, I, I just want, for the people that are going to listen to this, especially younger cats, like basically don't get caught up in your own, hang up your hang-ups, right? I mean, don't get so self-absorbed in your own, in your own shit, is yeah. what he was saying. You know, I, you just said, hang up your hang-ups. I have a record called Too Clever for My Own Good. Right. It's the name of the album. But, that, but there's a point to that. That might be my life, actually, but go ahead, well, yeah. Well, yeah, well, you're from Brooklyn, right? Uh, Stony Brook, but close enough. Man, my, my, yeah. Stony Brook, it's a rich kid. I can't <laughs> middle class, at that point, it was mid, late 70s, mid, uh, middle class, but, go, but yeah, definitely upper middle class. Go ahead. Well, there you go. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was different in Brooklyn, you know? It was. I know it was brawling, yeah, bruises. On the where I grew up, they could take your underwear without taking your pants. <laughs> It was it was a different. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I can. I you know what? You get fleeced on the day uh, daily, so I get it. You know, I used to tell people. I can. I tell people now. I can show you a miracle. 
and I, and they say, yeah, show me a miracle. And I point to my nose. It's still in the center of my face. And they, dude, your no. nose looks amazing. And it's been broken so many times. No, they missed it every time. They never got my nose. Wow. But, you know, it was, I'm saying it's a miracle. I show you a miracle. But, <laughs> but being serious, the thing about music is that no matter what you do with it, I mean, why is Nuno Betancourt listenable on that, what was it, Extreme, that great song they had, The mm-hmm. Hole in My Heart? Why was that so listenable, despite the fact that he was playing The reason it was listenable was it was done with a, with a smile. It was tongue-in-cheek. They knew that, you know, it, it, was, it was entertainment. It wasn't full of itself right. it wasn't precious right it wasn't you know? pre- it was it was the music was never too precious cropper said that yeah. to me yeah i love it's it like, it's like paul simon who was one of the geniuses of all time and a huge influence on me and we have to talk about gordon lightfoot out of respect absolutely um, please please but, but paul simon um you know was absolutely genius when he wrote homeward bound and when he wrote The Boxer, hmm. and he wrote countless, countless songs. But then on Hearts and Bones, he wrote, you know, there's some, Doctor, there's something growing on my skin. Too much information, Paul. You're a genius, <laughs> but we don't want to go there. And we don't want to go to the podiatrist with you. Everyone's feet hurt. <laughs> Mine do, yeah, absolutely. I love this. Yeah, right. This is the thing. And far be it for me to educate a guy who educated me for most of my life and wrote Slip Sliding Away. So... I'm not saying it in a condescending way. I'm saying it in an actual way, which is why I find fewer uh, Brits uh, seem to, at least in in my experience, list him as one of their top influences because the Brits have a different sensibility, hmm. and they're not they're not a silly people as Bill Bill Maher would say. I hate to quote Bill Maher, but um, they're not a silly people. They may be insane people you know <laughs> mad dog and englishman absolutely but but we are silly people and when we start telling you know when people say how are you they don't really want to know they just want to hear hey i'm great how are you and move on if they really want to know about your infected toenail <laughs> they'll read your book absolutely <laughs> I, mean, I don't mean yours in particular you know what i mean, I mean absolutely. if they want to delve into it deeper they'll go to wikileaks and read all the lies people wrote about you because <laughs> I don't know what that is on WikiLeaks, but anyway, um, it's just if you want to play the blues, Dave Dave uh, Bromberg said it the best. You got to suffer if you want to sing the blues. Remember that? Ab- absolutely, I, I I think he said that to me in our interview. But the you know, you know yeah. is, he also did you know he also did one of the great takes of all time. The only other version besides the original. Of um, of Mr. Blue, I'm Mr. Blue. When I say I'm sorry, remember that? You sure, absolutely. Okay, so I'm sitting when I get to Nashville. When I first moved there, I'm sitting in a in a bar called the Music Row Bar or whatever it is, because around after you you know the, the writing session, all the writers used to turn up there. I'm sitting next to a guy. And he says to me, he says, I don't, he says, are you living here? He says, you're new in town. I said, yeah. He saw me a couple of times. He says, what's your name? I said, Henry Gross. He said, I know some of your songs. I said, oh, yeah. I said, uh, and he said, uh, I said, you know, I, I said, did you, are you a writer? He said, yeah, you write anything I know? And he says, Mr. Blue. <laughs> and now I'm, now I'm gutted. 
Yeah, because that's Bromberg. It was Dwayne Blackwell. Wow. I mean, so there I am. I moved to, that's why I stayed in Nashville so long, because if, if I could sit next to Dwayne Blackwell or, you know, amazing writers, you know, I've worked with writers like Roger Cook or Tommy Rocco or, you know, Charlie Black. I mean, these people are, you know, people would, would pay everything they had for to sit next to them for 10 minutes. And here I am sharing my life and jokes with Roger Cook. <laughs> you know, we, you know did, I, I, we did Gilbert, Gilbert Godfrey, who did his show, Roger and I together. And it's one of the funniest things you'll ever hear if you go to Gilbert Godfrey's amazing podcast um, with Roger Cook and Henry Gross. And, of course, Gilbert himself, who sang Shannon as badly as you would expect. <laughs> Sounded like Aflac Duck singing Shannon. And, and uh, you know, and, and you know you, Roger, who was 82 at the time, singing his great song, I Miss My Stiffy. And <laughs> you want to do all that and more, and Fra and the great Frank Santo Padre, who worked with Gilbert on the podcast, it was just wonderful. But the point is, I've been so lucky, and and so blessed to come. That people say blessed all the time, and it's become like, you know, the, using the phrase reaching out. It's become an Americanism that's very annoying. But the fact is, no other word gets it better, and if no other word works. You use the cliche, and so. You know, we've been lucky. And, and as far as the blues question you asked, my last thought on it is you take two chords and you listen to uh, Come on, let me show you where it's at. Come on, let me show you where it's at. Come on, let me show you where it's at. The name of the place. I like it like that. You know, records like that that came out of New Orleans. And uh, who's the artist? Did I like it like that? I'm not on the tip of my tongue. Was it Jesse Hill? No, no, no. I bought it when it came out. It was, uh, I think it was done at Casino Matassa's studio. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like Chris Kenner. Wow. It was Chris Kenner. And it's one of the great records of all time. It has two chords. And you could say it's a pop rock record. It's a pop record. It's an R&B record, certainly. But it's a blues record, too. Because he's singing the blues. It's like, Huey Piano, Smith and the Clowns. Right. When they sing Don't You Just Know It and Rockin' Pneumonia, that's blues, baby. You know, that's Professor Longhair. You know, well, well, you're, you're, stre you're stretching into the blues again, and I just got to say, I mean, in interviewing Dr. John, part of the oh. blues, but part of the blues, Huey Piano Smith, who Dr. John worked with, and I mean, it's in my second or third book, he never got paid for any of those songs. That's the blues. I mean, the, Henry Gross is... Because the record business takes all the money that comes in and they throw it up on the ceiling and whatever stays up there, they pay the artists. That's just a tradition. But I'm just saying, like, that is absolutely, it's the racket. But that's where the blues comes from, too. I mean, the blues comes from suffering and just, like, being ripped off. And and, and, and that's not a good thing. But, you know, I guess with going back to your grandson, it's like you could give him all the books in the world to read. No, it's not my grandson. It's a friend's son. A friend of mine's. A friend of yours. Yeah, I mean, I just, I'm trying to figure out, by re again, those are classics of American literature. and obviously oh, Before you feel sorry for yourself, read Nicholas Nickleby. It's Paul McCartney's favorite book, too, for right. a reason. Right. Right. You know, it's a real rags, not just rags to riches, but rags with everybody's shoe on your face to, to, to success. And it's, it, you know, hope... When they kill hope, 
you know, they're going to try and do it with their digital currency. You know, they're trying to bring, you know, the fascist state, you know, here, and they're yeah. trying to they're doing it worldwide to the middle class. And it's an agenda. Sorry to get into that, but that's the blues, baby. And the people that can't see it will, sooner than they want, learn what the blues is all about. Because what causes the blues? What Another cause of the blues? Laziness. Picking the low-hanging fruit in life instead of doing the research and reading the footnotes. And, and, and taking people's word for it on the left, the right, or the center. You've got to listen and read everything. And then go to the footnotes and the original sources and then see what you believe is true. Right. What I believe is true isn't going to save you. You need to answer to God Almighty all by your lonesome. <laughs> and you won't be taking the guitar or any of those blues riffs with you. Well, you're 100% right about that. I, I, I have to get this on the table. Um, I don't think we've edited it in set one. Um, you played, you were in the studios, you worked with Cashman and West, but before you went out and hit your own solo album, you played the lead on the Croce tune that's slipping my mind right now, but... Were you? Them. Were I need to know that the other accompanist sessions that Henry Gross was on that show that before you became uh, a solo act. Okay, well, I wasn't a really big set. I wasn't. I know you weren't. No, I know you, no, and you weren't Louis Shelton or you know Tommy Tedesco. No. But I, I just feel no, like I'm like there's like other stuff in there. Guys. Yeah, those guys are genius level players, and they because. They play the notes you want to hear. Exactly. If you ever ask yourself, there's eight billion guitar players. Hugh McCracken couldn't read music, yet he's on almost every record. <laughs> Dude, he's the, the man is just a stone genius. You know. I mean, Huey is no longer with us, sadly. Right. But Huey played on Gordon Lightfoot's United Artists records with Red Shea. Huey played on on everything from from the 1910 Fruit Gum Company to Steely Dan Hey 19 to Paul Simon's. 50 Ways to Leave a Lover. He played on the records you bought. Every one. I mean, Huey was unbelievable. His soulful man, his harmonica playing was to die for. I mean, you know, he's just a wonderful, wonderful player. I mean, I'm friends with Mickey Raphael, who plays with Chris Stapleton and, of course, Willie Nelson. And, you know, and, 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 and you know, Mickey's a fabulous player and he's been you know, entertaining the world for, you know, 50 years. And he's, He's wonderful, and but Huey played his, in his own way every bit as good. You know, I wouldn't say he was better. I wouldn't say anybody's better. Everybody's different. But this is what I mean. Some people connect. They know how to play some notes and then, you know, blow some air around them when they play them. That's right. It's like, it's like there's a billion drummers, and then there's uh, Bernard Purdy. <laughs> you know, and, and when you hear the Purdy shuffle... You can buy all the drum machines you want, and you can get all the young kids that can play to a click. Or Gadsden, yeah, same thing. Or you can listen to Bernard Purdy. You know, you can you can hear him play his Purdy shuffle on on Babylon Sisters, on Steely Dan. Shake it, and then, yeah. Next time you hear a groove like that, call me because <laughs> I'm not expecting to hear one like that again ever. So, so, but I, you know, you're dishing knowledge and you've dropped so many names. Were did you find yourself? I just want to know what other sessions I can look for with Henry Gross. It would make my day to find some Henry Gross 
Uh, I played mostly on Henry Gross records. In fact, I didn't have another guitar. The only other guitar players that ever played on my records, Huey, Huey played on one song, just as a reggae part. Oh, my God. What, ta- what tune? It was called Lincoln Road. But the only reason, it was on the release album with Shannon, but the only reason that I wanted Huey on it, I could have played it in, in a take. Right. But I wanted, I wanted Huey's name on my record. Absolutely. What about this cat, Jay Hirsch? I don't know. Yeah, there's a there's a record I keep seeing in the store, Hugh McCracken and Jay Hirsch. Anyway, uh, so you just wanted McCracken, but Cashman. I wanted and, him to yeah. play on a record, so I booked him. He was my friend, and I wanted him to book. I wanted him to play, so I booked him. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, sometimes it's more important just for the vibe of something. You know, then he ended up playing some more later on a later album that I did with Bobby Columbi that was on Capitol. He played some guitar and harmonica, uh, um, you know. Bobby uh, Columby, when, oh, dude, when did you? That's ins- when did you first cross paths with, with the Blood, Sweat, and Tears days, or when did you first cross paths with Bobby? I never met Bobby years ago. Bobby was at Capitol Records. He was the vice president. Sure, sure. And uh, Steve Katz is a friend of mine as well. Oh my and God, are you kidding me? Come on, Gross and Katz, dude. Let's get some. Let's get some. Let's get some corned beef sandwiches, dude. We share, we share some history, and um, oh yeah, you know, I was ten feet away from Blood, Sweat, and Tears when they played at Woodstock. I was right on stage watching them on Sunday night, and 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 Steve I admired because I watched Steve play with the Blues Project in the Cafe of Gogo. Oh my God! You know, and so I, I you know I, I admired Steve. You know, I had their first album, and then I had the second album, Expressions. You know, and I, I and at that point, I you know I admired Danny Kalb and. Uh, yeah, a, a really a really progressive player. Uh, again, someone who left us recently. Um, yeah. Uh, but do, 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 before we forget, can you talk? Uh, my, I mean, one of my, my favorite interviews I ever did was with Gordon Lightfoot, and I just, you know, I wanted you to talk a little bit about um, okay. his legacy. Well, what I'm going yeah. to do is while we're talking, I'm going to go to my Facebook, and I'm going to read you something yeah. I wrote about about um oh come on with this how do i get the page up? take come your time on, take your time okay here it is let me see get this open okay i wrote something about lightfoot when he passed okay and i'll just read it because i don't think i could say it better go than ahead I'm, I'm honored to be able to share this there are no words to describe my sadness at hearing of the passing of the incomparable gordon lightfoot as a songwriter, singer, and performer, he was a constant inspiration to a worldwide audience throughout his long, illustrious career. As truly brilliant as so many of his compositions are, if you could read my mind, you'd see one line from the great Did She Mention My Name crossed my mind over and over. Won't you say hello from someone? There'll be no need to explain. And by the way, wow. did she mention my name? <laughs> The ever-haunting loneliness of a song for a winter's night. The hurt and anger of sundown. The tragedy beautifully remembered in the wreck of the Edmunds Fitzgerald. The cut-to-the-bone honesty of rainy day people. The freedom of carefree highway. The history lesson of Canadian Railroad Trilogy, written to order, no less. And the early masterpiece, so full of promise kept, the show-stopping early morning rain. I could go on all night. But better to celebrate his life in music by getting out old Gord's records and dancing till dawn. We who've listened, enjoyed, and learned owe him a great debt. So crank him up. He just might hear us. 
you know, you couldn't have said it any better. That's just a beautiful, and you know, what, you know, insofar as like, like when was, you know, he was already had, a, he was in Detroit a lot. He was seeing Oscar Peterson. He was close with Joni Mitchell. But, yeah, he was standing nice. Exactly. I, what, did you, did you see him when he first got, had his big New York gig with Butterfield the day, it was the day after Robert Kennedy was assassinated. I did not. Yeah. I mean, I Red Shea, John Stockfish. Yeah. I mean, those guys were. And then he had Terry Clement. Oh yeah. Who took, who took the second half, who came in in the second half and, and, you know, and, and, I, don't, I wouldn't say he raised the bar. I'd say he kept the bar right where it was. That's right. Was go. Lightfoot has the song Beautiful. The song, the last time ever, the last time I saw her face. I mean, you want to go the wherefore and the why. You're magnificent, the magnificent, your magnificent outpouring of that old familiar story that's been told, a, used a million times to ease a million minds. I mean, this guy's writing this stuff, what, 1962 on United Artists? Oh. I mean, Song for a Winter's Night which he recut on Warner Brothers, but the cut you want to hear is on United Artists. And there's a, that's all available. It's probably all on Spotify and YouTube. And it's reissued. You can get a CD with all the United Artists records on them, all the songs that were on his UA albums. Of course, I have four copies of every, of every UA, of every Life <laughs> album. Uh, he's, he's, he is um, like Elvis Presley to me in his way. I mean, of course, there's nothing like Elvis Presley, but if they're... You know, do you remember the first time you heard "If You Could Read My Mind"? Yeah. The thought crossed my mind. I'm hearing an absolutely perfect record. This record, in its way, goes into that rarefied air occupied by uh, "Train I Ride 16 Coaches, Coaches Long." You know, I mean that long black train took my big go go go. I mean, it's Elvis singing "Mystery Train" occupies that rarefied air that indescribable accident like an like an like an asteroid hitting the earth and then making the earth healthier <laughs> i mean it, it's it, it's kismet of the highest order yes just wanted to finish up with a dear friend of the program and uh really an amazing cat in his own right uh very witty cat and continues to remain uh uh pretty objective as it relates to some of the insanity going on within the socio-political uh, and economic uh, views of, of this country and the world. Henry Gross, welcome back to the Jake Feinberg Show. Thank you. Well, you know, Jake, when they when I told my friends I wanted to be a comedian, they all laughed at me. Right. Well, they're not, well, they're not laughing now. I'll tell you, man, it's pretty shrill and it's rough. I Have you dealt with um, uh, I, I don't even want to go there right now. I, have you have you had to curtail some of your humor or comedy uh, in a live setting because of sort of the I hate to use this word, but the the wokeism that has engulfed us. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting. Um, no, For several, first of all, I'm not really I'm not a comedian. I mean, I. I no, you're really no, but you're you're, sound, you're kind of a troubadour cat, you know. Yeah, yeah, I am. I go out with a guitar, and I, you know, I I go on sometimes. I open shows for forty five hundred people, you know. Exactly. And, and I've done ten thousand seaters. I just and you know, and it works because you know I, I 
thanks to my mom, I can sing in tune and, and, you know, I have a good range and I've been working on my songwriting for years and years and I still record and, and, you know, you don't, unfortunately, you know, if you want to empty your room, there's a one, you know, or if you want to sell t-shirts and drinks, you just go, Hey, here's a new one. I just wrote. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, if there's, if people thought about it, they'd be more interested in going where they haven't been as opposed to where they have been. It's like, I, I can't tell you how many people say to me, when are you going to make another album? Like, plug me into something. And I always tell them, play, plug me into something. Exactly. It's perfect. Well, I can't make a better, I can't make a better album like that, you know, with those influences than that. So I, so I moved away. And the next record I made, I tried, you know, I put like a little Phil Spector influence on some of the songs and moved my way in that direction. Then I moved off that and, and, and to eventually where I found my own voice on my own label, Zelda Records, um, <laughs> where I, you know, henrygross.com, yep, where I found my own right. voice, where I could combine seriously, you know, what I consider to be hard, you know, I try and write heartfelt songs with rock and roll songs, with songs that are funny, like... The night you picked up the check, or um, let's open a bottle and wine, <laughs> or or geezers of Nazareth, you know, <laughs> you know. It's, I, I I try and write songs. That, I have a song. It's funny because I I did just did a show with um, uh, Mickey Thomas. Yeah. And, thought, and of course, Phil Arberg, who played piano on Shannon also played piano, was in the band, uh, Elvin Bishop's band, and played on Fool Around and Fell in Love. Wow, yeah. So, so uh, you know, and both songs were cut in the key of F. Both songs were released the same week, and both songs were in the top ten at the same time. Wow. Phil was on Interesting, you know, Philip Auburn's one of the great keyboard players in, in America. Um, he's just, he's just a, a, a brilliant. I'm going to have to get to that cat, dude. You need to talk to that cat. He's. Oh, if you want to talk to Phil, I can get to hook you up with that anytime. Yeah. But he he's a really a ridiculously amazing person. I can tell you about that. But um, so I'm opening this show for Mickey Thomas and his Starship Group or whatever he's doing that. And and Mickey's gonna sing "Fooled Around and Fell in Love." And I wrote a song on the album before my last one, um, which was not nothing to do with the original song. It was a completely different melody and completely different words. But I thought about the idea of it and I thought well people my age should be singing fooled around and fell asleep <laughs> and, you know, and it's about this guy oh who meets a girl in a bar and he picks her up and, and, and he asks her if he could take her home because they're getting along and she says, yeah. she says yeah but could I bring a friend so she brings a friend but he's an old guy so he falls asleep in two minutes and while he's sleeping he dreams that he's in a menage a trois yeah but right he, but, but he realizes he's in a mirage a trois. A mirage a trois. And there you have it. It's good for so you, nice. Brother Gross. So you see, you want to write things that nobody's heard. Right. And, and there's a sort of a law in, in rock and roll that you, you know, thou shalt not smile. Like a lot of people say, well, you know, I mean, no one loved Elvis more than me, but they say, well, Elvis didn't take a lot of pictures smiling. Well, he did. But anyway... They always say, you always see these scowls on people as though that's, you know. He was one of the, I mean, all the cats that knew him back in the day said he was one of the sweetest guys. Or, was yeah, the, yeah. You know, I, I know all the guys that knew him. Yeah. You know, that, that are still surviving. I mean, George Klein, who just passed away in the last couple of years, was, was uh, you had me on his show 10 times. 
there's an interview online with myself and George Klein, who was done for the Memphis Library. It was such a thrill to meet him. He was the best man at Elvis's wedding. Uh, wow. at, at, uh, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis's 70th birthday. Wow. Met several this guys cat, man. From Elvis, Memphis Mafia. And I played a lot in Memphis. And, and uh, it's just amazing. I mean, I, I don't know. We can get on Elvis. We can stay there forever. <laughs> no, no. But the, I, well, this is really the important point of this whole thing is why? Because you're totally right. But the acceptance and willingness of people to, to hear stuff that they're not familiar with in today's world, in this conformist time, is not the case. It's very, you're going up against the, you're going up against the, the current. You're going up against, I mean, honestly, if call it what it is, you're going up against the Bolsheviks. It's you know, a tsunami Bolsheviks or something. I mean, yeah, it's insane. It's not tsunami Bolsheviks. They want one political party. They want one, I mean, our justice system at this point oh. is an not even an injustice system. Oh. Anybody, I mean, honestly, a blind man could see it from, from a helicopter, with, you know. That's right. That's right. And, and so it's, it's being done, it's, it's a plan. We all know that. It's been written about, it's Agenda 2030, and then there's a 2050, and they have these plans. And, you know, who makes, who made five-year plans? Well, it wasn't the Republicans, and it wasn't the Democrats. I mean, both of those parties are one party. It's a uniparty. I agree with you. I agree with you. You know, the only thing that's separate from the uniparty is the MAGA movement. And, you know, and people are very quick to insult it. But there's a lot of truth in what they're saying. You know, know, people talk about Donald Trump, how he's this and that. Donald Trump was not not a – he was a symptom of people – poking their finger in the chests of the of the people they call to fix their toilets. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't really, I, I agree with you, he, I mean, he, listen, he doesn't... He spoke, he spoke to them. He, exactly, because, I mean, he's not your, he's not, you know, uh, you know, in your, he's not a, a Shays Rebellion pitchfork farmer, but he tapped, he, he tapped no, in, yeah. He's part of the thing, the Clintons, you know, the Clintons were this wedding. I mean, this whole thing. Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous, yeah. It's a, it reminds me of, of the end of The Godfather. You think that little boss <laughs> played on my sister. I mean, this is a joke. I mean, <laughs> you know, this is silly. So you're, but I mean, as it relates to music, you, I just want to know, like, it, 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 it we're, 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 we're one party, and then all the music has this, is that what we're turning to? Just becoming it's some easy. sort of formula trip thing? music even music anymore no 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 it's not look who's not in the rock and roll hall of fame and look who is i mean there are people in in this silly thing whatever i mean can you imagine the idea that people like you know most of the rock and rollers in the beginning were wild guys a lot of them were degenerates we don't have to name them but you know right make putting them in a hall of fame i mean if they could have put I mean, I know this, obviously, Chuck Berry was instrumental in bending rock and roll. But if you're going to put Chuck Berry in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you got to put Pete Rose in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Well, I was just, I'm looking at a book of Pete Rose. you got to put Rose in there. Put, you know, let, let, put an asterisk in there. But the guy, this, the fourth. You know, Pete Rose gambled to win on his team. Okay, shouldn't have done it. But George Steinbrenner on our own racehorses, and so do half the, the owners. I mean, it's a joke. Did, did, I just want to be clear, did Rose, did Rose always bet? On his team to win, or did he bet against That's what them? I read. He never bet against them. Rose, Rose, you know, he, he, was, uh, he bet on his team to win. I mean, look, it, you know, St- Joseph Stalin, was it Stalin? I believe it was. It was Stalin or Trotsky that said, show me the man, I'll show you the crime. Oh. I mean, we're witnessing this right now, you know, in our, you know. In the real time, yeah. In real time with Trump. 
and and, and what we refer to as the Justice Department. I mean, it's it's uh, it's oh. embarrassing. It's embarrassing because we we know better, and people are passive, and you know. Yeah, they become pacified, and part of that is because a lot of music would used to dictate our culture is made for pacification now. Actually, if you want to go back and tell the truth, yeah. the Bolshevik movement in this country uh, gained, it went from walking to sprinting at the Woodstock Festival where I performed. Why don't you break that down? I, well, because, you know, I mean, you got to look at it for what it really was. Yes, it was a great thing. We were all against the, that absurd Vietnam War. You know, which people go, they I had lost one of my good friends in Vietnam and, and a lot of other ones that got all kinds of skin diseases. Oh, it's horrible, and, yeah. And, you know, I just had a, my lottery number never came up. But um, I got to say, you know, the, people are now vacationing in Vietnam. We're getting medicines made from Vietnam. I mean, this whole thing was a farce. And a lot of people made a billion, you know, hundreds of millions. I mean, the, the LBJ ranch was sending their beef to the, to the soldiers. I mean, the whole thing was a farce. <sighs> I mean, you know, look, if, if, they were, if the CIA that was involved with who, who knows what other agencies in, 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 you know, in killing Kennedy, they could have, they, like, you know, like, I'm not saying this, this is not an insight for me, but, but they, they, uh, you know, they could have given him a heart attack bill. I mean, they're, they're professionals at that. Right, right. They, he was shot in the street to let Lyndon Johnson know we were going into Vietnam full force. I mean, this is this is really heavy. I mean, I, yeah, Miss, uh, this is so talk yeah. about rock and roll, and you talk about music because we start talking about Woodstock, right? I mean, I don't know. Did a guy called Wavy Gravy in a, in a painted old Volkswagen microbus really get a half a million people on acid? <laughs> <laughs> he introduced cats to he. You know, there was called Mucilix, but then then all of a sudden granola became the fad after that. You know, well, what I'm saying, you know, look, there's there's always more than meets the eye. To Absolutely, this. Henry. Don't don't ask me. Don't ask me, but you know, um, <laughs> you know Wave, I cannot believe you just brought. I just, I was, I. It's so cosmic. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm already the bad guy. I'm already a pariah because I tell the truth. Yeah, but why? Because, like, what? Because, I mean, because people, to me, it's like this is the, this is why I remember having such a great conversation with you the first time. Well, because, it, you're on, you're an honest cat, man. I mean, you're just telling who the. Was, who is Rock Scully? Who was a Grateful Dead's manager? Yeah, he was military intelligence. You know, Garcia was in the military. Bob Weir is not a guest at Bohemian Grove. Bob Weir is a member. Why is a member of the Grateful Dead a member of Bohemian Grove? Would somebody tell me that question? You well, know, Bobby grew up. Bobby grew up with a lot, like with a lot of money. You know. Yeah. Well, that's the yeah. point. Yeah. So you have so all of this, and and I, I won't mention any more people because you could take down the whole thing. It's. It's right, well, because so, but we are imperfect. So, give me some. Uh, let's get let's get a light at the end of the tunnel from Brother Gross here. We're all sinners, and you know you're either gonna. Well, I'm not going to get into that, but you know <laughs> what, what has happened in the country is that we've you know the, the the atheism has taken over the country, right? And 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 that has become the hip, uh, the hip thing. Absolutely, like, dude. Science, they're so, they're so certain their science is right that 85% of, of, of people in this country poison themselves with mRNA. I mean, the facts are out now. They're clear. Women can't menstruate. This is a genocide. Sorry. People knew what they were doing. Yeah. It wasn't tested. Robert Kennedy Jr. is correct about this stuff, and he's a pariah. He's a pariah, yeah. 
imagine a Kennedy is a pariah in the Democratic Party. Why? For outing. This is probably the only broadcast in the country that isn't brought to you by Pfizer. You know, absolutely no, no big farm on this one, dude. You know that, but that's what I'm saying. So you know, we're jumping from point to point. But the thing is, and I'm not a, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm reading, I'm reading CDC documents from footnotes in, in, in Robert Kennedy's book, The Real Anthony Fauci. And what I see is a guy who makes Joseph Mengele look like a child. Huh. You know, when I see Bill Gates, I see a guy, you know, yeah, I'm 20 meetings with Epstein. They were talking about golf. I get it. I know. <laughs> you know, so, you know it's, it's really silly. This, I mean, here's Lane Maxwell sits in jail, the only woman, you know, uh, the only woman, uh, you know, uh, convicted of pimping where there were no clients. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's the whole thing, and people swallowing all this nonsense. So people are passive. You know, yeah, you know, you can sort of depend on the moms of America to stand up, but soon there won't be any moms if they keep, you know, next I'm sure they're going to bring Ebola and Marburg around. Right. But they probably already have their... their I'm also very upset. I mean, I got to be honest, and I'll say this, you know, I'm not, I don't want to go into a deep dive, but just the idea of... It, uh, uh, and, you know, the nuclear family collapsing, the idea that, you know, having two daughters, everybody's confused growing up sexually until they find themselves. Please do not empower a fourth grader to, to say that they know that even though they were born a, a, a girl, that they, they know they're a guy or vice versa. It's ridiculous. Be careful, Jake. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna anger. Rick I got kids, them. man. I just my kids. Listen, everybody. It's it's called adolescence. Grow up. Grow up. Gonna, make a decision when you're an adult. Please stop empowering yeah. young kids to, to make this. Obviously, obviously, but you're gonna you're gonna you're not you're gonna have to answer to Randy Weingarten. <laughs> well, I I mean it's it's just it's every it's in your face everywhere now, man. And you know what it is? It's no different than when the Beatles came over and everybody started wearing long hair. Right. And the thing they try to get everyone on acid. And the next thing, you know, they it's 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 the, the tattooing. You know, it's like, uh, you know, mm. you, you know, most of the women walking down the beach, God bless them. They're gorgeous young girls. They get me forever. But half of them look like they just escaped from San Quentin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's, you know, and so it's, it's a fad. And now it's become this other fad, which is really a tiny percentage of the population. That's right. But especially enough, the, uh, the, the paid for, bought off, in, insincere, uh, government-controlled, deep state-controlled media is broadcasting it as though 95% of the people walking down the street were transgender. Look, nobody is against people that are transgender. Nobody's against Bruce Jenner. He wants to be, he's a woman? He's a woman. Right. No problem. Bruce Jenner is an adult person. Exactly. When you start messing with children, you need to be hung by the neck till death. I'm telling you, man, that's what I'm talking about. Right-wing move. That is not a right-wing statement. Everybody on the left should be saying the same thing. Isn't it interesting how all the people that sat in at Columbia University are now shilling for the military-industrial complex? I mean, those same people call you call you a, cons- a right-wing conspiracy theorist when you're against the war. I know. I know. When you see what's happening. When we made deals, I'm not, no one no one likes how Putin runs things. It's not the way we, as Americans, believe you know things should be run. But our country is giving him a lesson in fascism. So 
we are doing that. And the people that think I'm, you know, that, oh, he's lost his mind. He sounds like Ted Nugent. Well, you know, think about it. All those people that would have been in the SDS, in, in the, you know, and, and the weathermen, today, they'd be putting up, I mean, what are we going to do with Biden? We're going to have weekend at Bernie? Dude, I'm telling you, man. I, I, dude. <laughs> dude, please write a song. Weekend at Biden's, dude. You know, I already did. I called the Lemming Pledge. Oh, my. Dude, I mean, it's, yeah, no, I, oh, my God. I don't, I don't want, you know, I make music for people. It's been my life's work. I want the music to not be political. No, I dig. I, I, you can do it in a graceful, humorous fashion. Well, but, you know, I do, but at the same time, when people listen to my records that do listen, I want them to have a good listen. And, I, and my political opinion is my political opinion. I don't tell you to have that opinion, as opposed to certain people who have stopped being musicians and have started being lecturers, uh, you know, you know, they've, they've become, and certain comedians that have become the voice of, of the Democratic Party. And, and I understand if they step off, if, if they lose a lockstep they'll be they'll be culled from the herd such is the way of bolshevism i get it i know but, man but it's no excuse for people that became billionaires um telling a different story to the working classes no names we all know who we're talking absolutely. about absolutely absolutely this is this is a an infamnia as the italians say this is a you know this is a crime against god because you've made your living deceiving people what is who deceives people? That's what a very the, good point. What's the name of the person or, or, or the the thing that deceives people? I, the devil. So you're doing the devil's work, and people line up because the devil sings a sweet song, but people are being manipulated and they don't see it. When I see these guys come out, I go to my show and I tell funny stories, and I tell, I try and make people laugh and smile. And I'm not trying to claim any higher ground because, let's face it, I'm not the biggest success. Money has never been the thing I've chased. I've been on the trail to write really interesting songs. I love it. And, and things that haven't happened. And I will take that. And I will go to my grave with that. And maybe some people sometime, as they do, discover, they buy one or two of my CDs from henrygross.com. Yep. Even they can hear them for free on Spotify and YouTube. But they want to support me. It's like they buy, buy me a drink. The sales from the records will never pay for the costs of making them. But, you know, I've been fortunate in that I saved some money that I made when I was younger and I don't live large. And so I've been able to spend money. Some people spend 200 bucks to play golf. I go over and, and, and you know, and, and, and start cutting a song for that, you know. So everybody has their passions. But also, but, I want to be clear, you're not doing, you've never done deceitful work you've never been on that no, I side and, I, and, I, and that's why i can still play it all but i but but i'm what i'm saying now and what i've just said yeah is enough to make me a pariah everywhere well you know be everywhere yeah. i mean honestly you know because because i am not i am not a republican i am not a democrat a person that looks at and i pick Unlike George Carlin, who said he won't vote because because it, your vote doesn't count, he was correct. But I have to make myself feel better by imagining that my vote will even be counted. So, so I will always say to choose the lesser of two evils. And anybody who is shilling for the um, 
the destruction of children by either uh, sex operations and and you know and manipulation of, of young people's minds or abusing them sexually and, and making that and enabling that or <sighs> killing killing them with mrna that was never tested to see if it stopped the spread you know I, the, all the countries that took ivermectin did better than the, than the United States in terms of the amount of, of, of deaths and troubles. I mean, remdesivir kills your kidneys. And I don't think Anthony Fauci would, would be in a room with remdesivir. And I don't think I don't think he would also let them put him with remdesivir and a ventilator. What a combination. Jesus. I have some friends that it killed just like that, my brother, just like that. And I'm angry about it because they knew. But, the, but it was part of their plan. And their plan? Who are these people? What, what person said that for the world to survive, eight billion people need to die? Uh, he might have run a, he might have been a high school dropout that ran a software company. You know, yeah. uh, you know the environmentalist with seven airplanes. You know that guy. Yeah, I did. At a fifty thousand square foot house, he made Aaron Spelling look like a beggar. <laughs> so, you know these these people. Yeah, there's hypocrisy. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's not hypocrisy. They too are told what to do, and if you want to get a history lesson. You're, you're welcome to. No, this, I mean, this is heavy. So, I mean, you're but I mean, you read about all the things that you don't know about, like the Council of 300 and the Club of Rome. You don't have, people don't know what that is because, because they don't, because it's not low hanging fruit. You know, you can't turn on, you can't turn on, um, uh, what's the name of the Vanderbilt kid, you know, that's on CNN. You can't, he's not going to tell Oh, you Cooper. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a CIA agent. This is a guy, by the way, America takes their advice from a man who bragged while drunk on New Year's Eve at the celebration in Times Square that his mother slept with Marlon Brando. And talk about fat shaming. He said, not the fat one, the skinny one from the early movies. Uh. This is to be looked up to. This is a man given a position to comment on the events of the day. I don't think so. Not for me. I mean, if it's for you, I say God. Henry, I want, I want to ask you, though. How do we... So in your mind, just from your point I've of view... Had, I've, I've had it with this with this I, I i rode the train i was the biggest lefty in the world my whole life right i was all against the war and the military industrial complex i'm not for us going into every place and killing millions of people when they asked uh what's her name uh, from the uh carlisle group uh madeline albright was it worth it to kill a, a million uh, uh, yes, uh, a half a million kids whatever the number was in iraq and she says well it's a terrible thing but overall yes oh my well, god this this from a group that got a percentage of the of of the of the oil we got back for Kuwait. I mean, can we just stop with the nonsense? Now I, I'm just saying, that, but but doesn't those people? They are like monsters. I mean, she's deceased, so we'll leave her out. But or maybe not. But <laughs> but those people do what they do. The people that upset me the most are the people that enable them that purported to be against all of this their whole lives. I mean, you've got, you know, giving people, our cities are going to garbage. People are angry, you know. Well, people are just also, you can't even, I mean, the truth of the matter is that people are living in squalor everywhere, too. They're in squalor, they're living on the streets, and they're selling billions, sending hundreds of billions of dollars to people, to, to a guy, Zelensky, who made his living his closing of his comedy act was playing the piano with his penis. This is not a joke. This is true. But people don't know that. Oh, no. From Alex Jones? You don't have to go to Alex Jones for this. You just have to open your eyes. You have to stop being a lemming.
Let, let, let's just, I want this is really important. I know this is really, when you say, because I'm talking about my kids, younger generations, when you say open your eyes, what does that mean? That means, you know, I'll, 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 I'll put it in language. Yeah, so yeah. The great, the great and wonderful Gordon Lightfoot passed away. Oh, again, yes. Of, God bless. We talked about it earlier yesterday. Sure. Okay, there's a, there's a great scene in the great documentary about Gordon that's on uh, Prime right now, on Amazon Prime. Oh, right wow. Now. And it's, it's, it's a must-see for people that loved uh, this brilliant man. And they ask him, how did you write all those songs? And it's great. He points to a, a chair and a desk with a little lamp on it. He says, you've got to do the work. you got to sit there until you've got it. If it takes forever, you got to sit there and do the work. How do you open your eyes? You read. Yes. And you don't read just the drivel they're giving you in school, which is going to tell you how to have anal sex in first grade. Oh, but, to read, but you read all kinds of history. You, you follow the footnotes. You read the forbidden books. Generally, what's forbidden, generally, it has some, some truth in it. Absolutely. It yeah, that's right. But the low-hanging fruit that seems to have no truth in it. But I'm just a musician. Why should anybody care about what I say? They shouldn't. No one should listen to a word I've said and take it seriously. What they should do is hear it and say, is this guy crazy? And then go and look and see what I'm, ha what I, if what I'm saying is wrong. Right. Read the real Anthony right. by, by Kennedy Jr. Read on the body of others by, Na by Dr. Naomi Wolf, who was a New York Times hero, heroine for years until she figured out that what happened here was a genocide. Jesus. You know, and so people, you know, you, you, we, you want to take your medical advice from Tedros, you know, wow. Okay, fine. Go ahead. I'm not going to say what these people are guilty of. Read about it. I don't need to tell you. Ask the women that worked at the WHO how they were treated. You'll get your answer. You'll think they're working for the Clinton Foundation. So, you know, this is what is going on here. So I'm not indicting anybody. And I'm not saying I'm not a sinner. And I'm not saying that, you know, that, that if somebody, you know, I know, I won't even get into it, but there are very, very many good people who, when they, when they are confronted with millions of dollars a year to, to let people down, they're just a bigger version yep. of, the cop, of the cop that'll come to your house at three in the morning and arrest you for nothing, for, for Merrick Garland, you know, when you haven't done, you know, for nothing for freedom of speech um, they're no different than that cop who doesn't want to lose his pension and would rather put his neighbor in, put his neighbor in a gulag so there's people are weak people are selfish this is what we are uh, this is this and, is know, I mean this is like early morning rain for Jake Feinberg right now I mean I'm getting pummeled right now if someone's going to sell out the country you know if someone's going to sell out the country and sell you know, and, you know, of course, do I have the document from Christopher Ray? No, I don't. But, you know, <laughs> of course, he has to go because he's on his way on a government paid for plane on to go on vacation. I get it. And he has no recollection of anything. It's like asking, you know, you ask any of these guys, you ask uh, Merrick Garland. I don't recall. I don't do that. I don't recall. No one recalls anything. But they seem to be able to recall when, when you know, when Trump, uh, you know, uh, spat on the sidewalk. And I'm not defending Trump. I don't know what he did or what he didn't do. I wasn't there, Charlie. Right. But I'm saying when I see one guy dumped on, 
and a pile of of gluttonous criminals. It's one thing, like I was going to say, if someone's holding your family hostage, you know, you you do this, or we're going to kill your family. Well, if some if a guy sells out his country for that, you know, I I, I I'm not sure. I I can't answer the question of what I would do until I was in that situation. But when you do it for the oldest and lowest of reasons, greed. Um, what does treason mean in America anymore? What is what is what is theft? And it's not just once; it's all of them. I mean, didn't Pelosi just buy Morgan Stanley uh, before they absorb uh, before they absorbed these other banks? I mean, how much more? They just brazenly insider trading. If anybody that's making two hundred grand a year has a couple of hundred million, they're thieves. End of story. When did you? When did you? When did you? Uh sort of realized that you were, you had been duped as a, as a lefty? Well, I'm not saying I'm a righty because they're... I know you're not. No, no, no. But, but you were, you were, uh, you were, this New York Times columnist you talked about. She had a revelation and then got, got thrown to the side. Well, she came across, what happened was that Pfizer did not want to release any documents for 75 years. You know, they thought they were the Warren Commission. Right. So, so, but what happened is they people sued, and they had and the judge. I don't know where they found an honest judge. He said, "You will release it all in two weeks." <laughs> so, fifty-five thousand <laughs> pages got released about the testing for the COVID vaccines, and it turned out that they tested it on twenty-five, apparently twenty-five rats, all of whom died, and they never tested for the for the retrans for the transmission of the disease. I mean, this was. This was a plan, a World Economic Forum plan. Right. You know, they've got their globalist leaders 50 deep in every organization and every political party in the White House. They've got it all. This was a, po- a population contraction deal. Yes, it is. Yes. And it's, you know, these guys basically, it, this is too much to put on a, on, on, on a rock and roll broadcast. We've got no, all I'm, I'm doing, this is, what's great is that people will have to listen at least 40 minutes in to even get to this. So this is going to be great. Well, that's, yeah. yeah. But the thing is, you know, look, if you, if you... This is rock and roll, man. It is rock and roll. Study about transhumanism. Study about what these people basically with chipping you. They want to put a chip in your head and in your hand. Anybody here read the Bible uh, ever? Yeah. Does that sound like a mark of the beast to anybody? I know. The atheists are right. But then I heard a wise man say if atheism is a religion, then not collecting stamps is a hobby. So, you know, we really don't, you know, if you, if, you, if you don't believe in, see, people, what people get wrong here is they say, well, I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. If you're an atheist, you do have a God. You're the God. Right. You believe there's nothing bigger than you. Right. You are, you are the God of yourself. You answer to you, and when you're gone, the world ends. Okay, then. Good luck to you. You know, because there's an awful lot of things in studying. You know, I've been reading the Bible. I I went to a religious school when I was a kid, and I've been going to Bible studies the last several years because I want to know what I don't know. People presume, you know, uh, Christians presume to know what Jews think, and Jews presume to know what Christians think, what Christians think, and nobody knows what Muslims think except they don't like them. So, So I'm trying to learn what all these people think, what everybody thinks. Because that's the journey. If your journey in life is not to be educated, then you're just full of it. You're just lazy. 
and you just want to basically drink a beer and talk about, yeah, I played at Woodstock. You know, who, who cares? You know, there's a world out there and there's young people that deserve one hundredth of the joy that the baby boomers had from what from the sacrifices made before them. If that's a right wing statement, so be it. No, you know what? I I want to listen. We got we I want to that was a this is a very powerful way to end set one point five. You want to you want to do 10 a.m. tomorrow? We'll finish it up. I'm, I'm happy to, to talk to you, Jake, because this is a, this. And I, but I just want to remind people that I'm not lecturing and I'm not telling people what to do. Or Absolutely. Not. No. And that's uh, honestly, man, it, if there's any blowback from this, I think it's just on it. It's it, it's an honest interpretation. Well, it'll, be on, it, it'll be on me, but I don't care. I've been taking the blowback my whole life. I mean, I just ad- adopted a, you know, a, a pit bull that bites because no one else is going to save them. So I don't want to put down, you know, I'm, you know, there's a, you want to you you want to root for the underdog, and the underdog here are the young women who who are not going to be able to conceive because of this this poison plan that's gone into effect that has enabled people, you know that that are making. I mean, the guy from Moderna made four hundred million dollars last year to see all apparently, you know. So I mean, does that sound right? They shut up all the small businesses conveniently, but the big box stores stayed open. So what are we doing here? Why are we fighting Russia? We are Russia. They got the they got the the store. They got one store. You know, they got one choice: meat. <laughs> I mean, fish. That's it. it. No, I'm, they, listen, I got it. We I got it. Henry, uh, 10 a.m. tomorrow. We'll, we'll keep going on this, man. You really you lit a fire under me today. There you go. Someone needed to do it. I need, but yeah, you, thank God. But are you going to just put this up or are you going to read the books? Because I had somebody say to me, you know, well, what should I read? And he was actually a well-known singer. And he said, well, what should I read? Because I was yelling at him for telling his fans to take to take a jab. I said, are you a doctor now? Yeah, I know. Have you, have you read the documents? Do you know? You know you're going to kill your fan base. Be greedy. Don't tell them. Just don't, don't give medical advice. Learn how to play your guitar. Which this guy's never done properly. All right, we're gonna so tomorrow. Uh, we're, tomorrow we're gonna focus on emotion and intention in in songs. That's it. We're not gonna go anywhere near this. All right. That's it because yeah. the emotion and the intention is to is to celebrate and entertain, and and these kind of conversations are not for the stage, because. Everybody is entitled to laugh, even if some people say comedy is not allowed. Well, I just want to also say that for people that will hear this, the the, rea- the, the it should not be a knee jerk reaction to push away or be horrified. It should be contemplation, and maybe we should do a deeper dive into what, and at least find out for ourselves what these cats are talking about. Remind remind me to uh, tomorrow to start talking with uh, a teacher that I spoke to from New Jersey. You got and, it. You know, who was spouting um, the CNN line, who had no idea what I was talking about. I said, how dare you teach people when you know only one side of a story? That's not education. That is, that is uh, propaganda. You don't know that you're spouting truth. You don't know the other side of the argument. You can't, you know, you think the world is round. Well, we think that because the people, flat earthers, had their chance. 
Let everybody have their chance before you're so sure. I mean, look, if, if Nikolai Tesla was given a fair chance, we wouldn't even have these electric wires around here, except you couldn't bill people for it. So you have to read about, you have to learn, because most people think Tesla is a name that Elon Musk made up. 